So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts.
Good evening, I'm Donna, and if you'll turn to Mark's Gospel on page 869, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us what we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know, that, you know that these who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God. G'day, my name is James, and uh, you have joined us on a Sunday where we are smack bang in the middle of our series of true community, why we need the church. And uh, we've seen in the last couple of weeks that God thought one image, one metaphor wasn't enough to capture what the church is, what the church should do, but rather a mosaic of imagery. And today we're going to look at one more picture, the body. So please join with me as we pray. I'm actually going to pray a prayer for Trinity Sunday. Uh, so let's join with me as we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and by your divine power to worship you as one we humbly pray that you would keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversaries. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I think it is safe to say that every human has a body. It's hard to be a human without a body, isn't it? And as you grow up, you learn more about this body which you have. So when you're little, you learn the song, Eyes and ears and mouth and nose, you all... That's sort of the first step. And as you get a bit older, you find out your body can make all sorts of sounds from unusual places, which is very entertaining for a five-year-old boy. And then you find out what's inside this body. That there's about, what, 206 bones, 12 organ systems, all working together. Then you go through puberty and the whole thing changes. So there's an interesting body that you have. It's quite remarkable, really. And God uses this body that you have, the way in which the various parts all come together to create, to work, to achieve, to relate, 
all working in unison. God uses this body which is common to us all to describe another feature of the church. That the church is both unified and diverse at the same time. So I want to unpack this a little bit. Look at the, the unity of a church and the diversity of a church. In Firstly, the unity. In Colossians, there's a small sentence in verse 18 of chapter 1. It goes like this. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Now, that short verse means a number of things. It firstly means that if you're a Christian, you have been united to Jesus, joined to him, where we form the body and Christ is the head. Now, you think about that, that's an odd combination. If you walk down to Luna Park, you'll see these headless frame paintings where you stick your head through. Here's one that I did. And you laugh because the head clearly doesn't match the body, right? The picture can go, it's probably a bit distracting. But uh, when you think about that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body, at first you might think that's quite funny, but when you think about it, that is quite remarkable, that Christ would be so want to be connected to you that you become part of him, part of Christ. But it is no accident of the body part in which Christ is referred to. He's referred to as what? The head. That Jesus is the head of the church, not me, not Paul, no one except Christ. That he is the boss. He has the authority. He and his word. Then the thing about a head is, once it's gone from the body, the body can't live. Um, my grandparents used to be uh, farmers out in Western Sydney. And there was one time when they were cooking, the, getting ready for the Sunday roast, and they had some chooks. And so my grandfather would just chop the heads off to prepare them. And so he's doing it as usual. And then my cousin, Bernadette, who's about five at the time, was watching this. And so my grandfather just cut the head off. But this didn't end the life of the chook. The chook, though headless, was walking around, blood pouring out. And there's the Bernadette watching this whole thing. And it starts walking towards her. And and she's screaming. She's now a vegetarian. (laughs) But uh, she sees this headless chook. And then eventually, boom dies. You can't have a body. You can't have a body without a head. And the same is with a church. You cannot have a church without Jesus as the head. Right now there are churches that have put Jesus to one side, put the Bible as part of the church, not the center. And they are dying. People often ask me, James, why don't you just get rid of the Bible? Get rid of Jesus and his words. Become more relevant. And I say to them, if I do that, that is a death wish. Because I can show you statistic after statistic of churches where Jesus is no longer the head of that church. And that church is like a headless chook. Might be active, but it's heading for death. So that's the unity of the church, where we are united to Christ, and he is the head. But that doesn't mean that all of us 
are the same. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I encourage you to turn to it at page 988. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul emphasizes the diversity of the church. He says in verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. And verse 11, he distributes each one just as he determines. That if you are a follower of Jesus, that God has given you a gift, at least one. A gift that's probably going to be different to the people sitting on the side of you. A gift to build up the church, to serve others. Do you know that? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given at least one gift. Which means a couple of things. Oh, sorry. It, 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 you might be wondering what type of gifts there are. In, in the New Testament, there are five different passages laid out which describe these different types of gifts. Uh, they include things like apostleship, prophet, teacher, helper, administrator, tongues, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, serving, contributing, mercy, discernment. And whenever you look at these lists, no gift is in each of them. They're all different. Which means the gifts that God has given each of us are as diverse as the parts on a body. And so in God giving you a gift to serve, one of those gifts or more, he does it so that you can serve the people around you. And it means that certain things are going to be easier to do and other things are going to be harder to do. There's going to be certain things that you're passionate about doing and other things you're not so passionate. Things that you have a burden for and things less so. For me, uh, people have said that I have a gift in, in doing this, in, in, in teaching. And most of you are awake, so that might be true. But if you were to get me doing what Steve and Jess are doing up the back on the AV, I would freak out. That brings me more anxiety than this will ever. doesn't mean this is perfect all the time or I love it all the time. It, it can be a struggle. But there's a difference. And for you, there's going to be things that you're drawn to and things not so much. Things where people say, you know what? When you did that, that was really encouraging. And other times people say, maybe not so much. There are two dangers in, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians when it comes to this diversity. Because God has gifted us in different ways, there are two dangers that can happen. The first is, because we're all different... You can be tempted to feel useless. Paul communicates this through metaphor. So I've got some visual aids to help us. In verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Now, if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It's as if the foot is saying, oh, hands, look at you. You can do high fives, wave, fist pumps, shake hands, all sorts of things, but look at me. I'm just a foot. Get trodden on. I encounter dirt and dog poo. People saying, get your feet off the table. Because, oh hand, I'm not like you. I do not 
belong. What's the other example he uses? Verse 16. If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's as if the ear is looking at the eye saying, oh, I look at you. You are beautiful, colorful, luscious eyelashes. You can see near and far. You can wink and look at me. No one ever said, your ears are so dreamy. Stare into my ears. And because I'm not like you, I, I don't belong. It is easy to look at other people who are different from you and say, because I'm not like them, or because I can't do it as well as them, I'm useless. I'm not needed. I don't belong. But what does Paul say? Regardless of how you feel, he says, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Just because you're not like someone else doesn't mean you're not still part of the body. You may be an ear or a foot, but an ear and a foot is still just as important as an eye or a hand. I think it's no accident that Paul picks very visual parts of the body, the hands and the eyes. And there's a danger in thinking, particularly up front kind of service roles, preaching and, and leading music and praying and connect group, all these kind of things. Temptation to think, because I'm not like that or doing that, what I have is not that important. The gifts that I get, I'm not needed. But the behind the scenes, the admin, the one-on-one, the cooking of meals, the pastoral care, the listening, those are just as important. No one is useless. Because what does it say in verse 18? God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He has made you and given you gifts exactly how he wanted them. So we want to be a church that is diverse. A church where there are leaders and there are followers. There are savers and there are spenders. There are talkers and there are listeners. There are big picture people and there are small detail people. There are the the miraculous and the mundane. The policy makers and the risk takers. We want diversity. Because if everyone in this church was like James Galea, That'd be a dud of a church. We need each other. The other danger or temptation is when it comes to diversity is pride. Where we think, well, to be honest, I just think I'm more useful than that person. I'm better than that person. You know, we think I'm more spiritual than that person. I don't need them. And this can come out whether it's more the spiritual gifts like tongues or prophecy. Look, that's just the way. Let's just get rid of that. Or when it comes to other things that you just don't think are important. But what does verse 21 say? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we want to treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts uh, need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there'll be no division in the body. But it's that the parts should have equal concern for each other. Let's talk about your armpits for a moment. Think about your armpits. Odd things, aren't they? Sort of cover them up, they're sweaty. Some of us shave them. We all deodorize them, clean them. We keep them hidden. I've never met someone who's in love say, you know what I love about them? Their armpits. Beautiful armpits. I've never heard that. Some of you think there are people in this room who are armpits. And you think, because they're an armpit, cover them up. Waste of time. But you need armpits. No one is more useful than this church than another. No one is more needed than another. No one is more important than anyone else. Because what does it say? We need to give greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Show equal concern for each other. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I went to see the Avengers Infinity War at the movies. And as I was watching it, I stayed for the credits. Because there's always a little pearl at the end. And I'm watching the credits, and you start, and there's these big names. And they often have the whole screen to themselves, these actors. Chris Hemsworth, big font. Scarlett Johansson, big font, whole screen to herself. And as the credits go on, the font gets smaller. And there's more on them. More names littered on the page. As I was watching, these names came up. Fred Duffer, video assistant operator. Melanie Manning, location scout. Alexander Gayatze, post-production coordinator. Scott Hinckley, additional pre-recording mixer. I have no idea what they do. I have no idea who they are. But you know what? If they weren't part of that film, you would notice it. And when the credits roll for Church by the Bridge, there may be some names you know, but there's going to be a whole bunch of names serving in a whole bunch of different areas that you weren't aware of. And what we want to do as a church is to take the additional pre-recording mixes and take them to the front and give them a screen, a big font, and say, these are the people we want to honor. As each part does its work. I want to answer five common questions that you might be thinking when it comes to gifts and, and serving a church. The first question is this. Who serves a church? 1 Peter verse four, or chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What that's saying is everyone who is a follower of Jesus is called to serve. Now, there's a danger in our consumeristic culture where we pay people, we outsource. So we pay people to 
clean our houses, do our tax, look after our children, that kind of thing. And there's a danger where we do the same when it comes to a pastor. I'll give you money, you serve. But if you read Ephesians, that is not the purpose of what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to equip you to do, use the gifts that you've been given. Other way, words, get out of your way so that you can serve. And we all play our part. So who serves? Everyone who's a committed Christian. The next question is, are my talents and abilities the same as my spiritual gifts? And the answer is not necessarily. They can be. But the key to knowing what your spiritual gift is, does it build up the church? I'll give you some examples. Uh, David Wally attends our 7 p.m., and he's a heart physician, a great one. But his gift is the way in which he leads music and causes us to put our eyes onto Christ. Imogen Dix at 9.45 is a brilliant mother, but her gift is in hospitality as she opens her home. Sue Bennett, who comes here, is a volunteer at Taronga Zoo. But her gift is the way she gets alongside others and mentors and loves and listens to them. Your God has made you in different ways, but your gifts are there, given by God, to build up the church. The third question is this. How can I work out my gifts? How can I work out what my gifts are? This is probably a question that many of you are asking. Uh, a year or two ago, we get, got you to fill in a survey, National Church Life Survey. And in it, it said this. You guys said this. 32% wanted the partial staff to give attention to encouraging people to help discover, use their gifts. About a third. And another thing was 33% of you wanted to be more involved in church. And so let me give you four tips. Four tips on how to work out what your gifts are. The first is this, pray. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And so one of the first steps is say, God, I know you've gifted me. Your word says it. Please help me work out what my gifts are. The second tip I'd give is to uh, do that online survey, which we sent out on Monday. Uh, that gives you, you fill in the questionnaire and it gives you a ba- uh, sort of a platform to work out where my gifts are and where my gifts are not. And that'll sort of tell you, you know, if, if, if you're gifted in leadership, let's explore that. If you're gifted in, in prophecy, let's explore that. If, you, if you're not gifted in, in discernment, okay, that's helpful. The third tip I'd, I'd say is ask people. In your connect groups, I encourage you to spend some time affirming, you know, I've noticed this about you. I've actually been encouraged when you do this. Affirm in one another. Ask people, say, you know what? I'm really struggling. What do you think my gifts are? Because often we're not in tune to it. Um, my wife, I've realized in the last couple of years, is gifted in hospitality. Now, she doesn't like cooking one bit. But she has a gift in making people who come to her home feel welcomed and relaxed. And she was unaware of it, but often it takes others to identify it. So we need each other. 
And the fourth thing I'd say is give it a go. Often you don't know what your gifts are until you just dip your toe in. I'll give you an example. James Boardman is here. Uh, he is an accountant for most of his life. Worked for Deloitte. He is gifted in kids' ministry. Now you think about it, those two things don't normally go together. Accountant, kids' ministry. You know he worked it out? He gave it a go. Dipped his toe in and found out he has a gift and a passion for teaching little ones God's truth. Fourth question. If I'm not gifted in an area, do I still need to do it? Just because you're not gifted doesn't mean we're off the hook. Some of you are gifted in evangelism. You can't go a week without talking to someone about Jesus. And there's other of us, others of us who can count the amount of conversations we've had with non-Christians on one hand. But just because we're not gifted in it doesn't mean we're excused from it. Because 1 Peter chapter 3 says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. Some of you have the gift of faith, but we're all called to have faith in Christ. Some of you have the gift of teaching, but if you're a parent, you're called to teach your children about Jesus. Some of you have the gift of generosity, but we're all called to give. And lastly, can my gifts be lost? It's interesting, uh, both in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy that his gift can be lost. In 1 Timothy it says, do not neglect your gift. And 2 Timothy it says, fan into flame the gift of God. See, Timothy's gift is weakening through infrequent use. It's kind of like a six-pack. If you have a six-pack, some of you did have one. It's gone or hiding. And it's gone because of infrequent use. A gift is like that. That just because you're gifted in an area doesn't mean we don't get training in it. We don't work hard at it. We get feedback. It's a struggle often. We're using our gifts, but we want to fan it into flame, work hard at it. And some of you, you haven't used your gifts in a while. For whatever reason, it's been put out of sight, infrequent use. Can I encourage you, maybe it's time to fan that gift back into flame, to dust off the dust and bring it out. I'm going to end my talking to three different groups of people who are here tonight. The first is, let me talk to those people here who don't serve. Uh, if you're here tonight and you're, you're new or you're not a Christian, can I say, we want to serve you. We are so glad you're here with us and you're our guest and we want to be a blessing to you. But if you're here and you're a, you're a Christian and you're a member of Church by the Bridge, then you're called by God to serve this body. That God has given you a gift to bless others with. Now, you may not be serving because it could be the fault of the partial staff here, right? You may have said, I I've indicated I want to serve and no one's followed me up. And we want to get better at this, right? And I'm sorry if that has been your experience. 
But if your, if your excuses are, I'm just too busy, I've got family commitments, I don't want to commit to anything, I want to keep my options open, to be honest, they're pretty pathetic reasons. Because most of the people in this room could have said those excuses. But really, those who are members of this church, followers of Christ, and who are not serving, you're kind of like a dead leg. You know that time when you're sort of sitting in an uncomfortable position, you get up and you're like, whoa, that leg is still attached to the body. You're still part of us, but you're not being what you're supposed to be. You're shriveling yourself and you're shriveling this church. Can I encourage you, come alive. Take a step of faith and say, you know what? I haven't been serving, but I want to. I don't want to consume, I want to give. There's a number of booklets down here at the front, Serve 2018, which give you a vast array of different options in the way you can serve. But take that step and say, you know what? I want to actually begin to use the gifts that God has given me. The second group of people here tonight are the people who can't serve. Uh, There are some of you who are in a season where it is profoundly difficult to serve. You may have been battling chronic fatigue. And to get out of bed is an enormous effort. Some of you have been burnt out by previous church, or even this church. You've been go, 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 and you're spent. Some of you are caring for a loved one who is significantly unwell. And you have this hunger, this desire to serve, but you can't. And it can bring about a whole bunch of questions like, who am I? Am I really a Christian? I I, want to do it, but I can't. Can I encourage you, hold on to Mark 10, verse 45. This beautiful verse, it's on the screen. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus' love for you was not in what you do, but in what he has done. That even though you may not be able to leave your house, or do what was once easy to do. It doesn't determine Jesus' love for you. Because he came, not that you would serve him, but that he would serve you. And this may be a season where the body of Christ serves you. And finally, those who do serve. Uh, As Paul mentioned, we went on a staff retreat this week and, and as we were praying through each, each of you by name, can I just say how encouraging it was as to see your names, to see your faces now and to know the various ways in which God has gifted you and you are using those gifts. As I look out, I see hands and feet and eyes and ears and armpits. And I love the fact that I look around this room and I see you, though diverse, using your gifts to serve one another and to serve our great Lord. I'm always amazed by the human body. Found out this week that it takes 200 muscles to take a step. You know what's even more amazing? The body of Christ. 
where the hundreds and hundreds of saints, all united by Jesus Christ, play their part in serving the body of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we want to thank you that you have not only saved us, but given us an opportunity to serve others, that you have gifted us in different ways. I pray, Lord, that you, your spirit would give guidance to people here who may not sure where their gifts are. Place people around them to affirm them and identify the way in which you've made them and gifted them. I pray, Lord, for those who cannot serve, that you would remind them of your love during this time, that it is not in what they do, but what you have done that brings them value and worth. And gracious Lord, I pray that we will continue to be a diverse group, all gifted in different ways, and that we would play our part into serving during the times when it is a joy and the times when it is not. The times when it is easy and the times when it is a struggle. The times when it is convenient and the times when it is not. And we pray, Lord, that we would serve each other and serve you, Lord Jesus, until you return. Amen.